Thanks for joining us. I hope today's message builds your faith and inspires you to change the way you think. Pastor Duane is continuing in the series, The Journey of the Follower, with today's message, Exceptional Love. Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments into two, love God and love your neighbor. But who exactly is our neighbor? Today, Pastor shows us just who our neighbor is and why it's so important to love exceptionally. So we're going to talk about, again today, disciples loving exceptionally. Now, that does not mean that disciples love, how can we say this, with exception. In other words, there are people we don't love. Now, the exact opposite, we love exceptionally. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten. God gave his best because of love. And when you're a disciple, you give of your best. You know, it's, it's possible to give and not love, but you can't love and not give. Right? For God so loved that he gave. Uh, Jesus is, is teaching, and a certain man comes to Jesus, a lawyer actually, and and a, it says, uh, which is the greatest of all of the commandments? And Jesus answered and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what Jesus is telling them is that if you want to put the Bible in a nutshell and include everything that's in the Bible, it's in these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a lawyer there who says to Jesus, he, he, wants, to def he wants a definition. He said, well, who's my neighbor? And how many of you know that lawyers can get really picky? They can even want a definition of what is is. Remember, what's the definition of is? Right? So this guy wants it. Some of you will catch that later, all right? Uh, so this particular lawyer said, well, I want a definition like, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, as he so often would do, would tell a story. And he says, well, there's a certain man. He's going from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he falls among thieves. And they, they uh, beat him up and they, they strip him and they take all of his goods and they leave him in the road naked and wounded. And by chance, along comes a priest. And when he sees the man, he passes by on the other side. Now, there could be different. He may have thought maybe the thieves are lurking nearby waiting for somebody to stop. Or he may have been thinking, well, I have to go to the temple. And if I touch this person and they were to, to die, well, I would be unclean and I wouldn't be able to fulfill my duties. And, and he just passes by on the other side. And next along comes a Levite, which basically were the priest's assistants. And he sees the man and he does the same thing. He passes by on the other side. And Jesus said, but then a traveler who's a Samaritan comes and sees the man. Now, at that time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they weren't at war, but they hated each other. There was more prejudice than you and I could possibly even imagine between these two groups of people. They wouldn't even talk to each other. 
They won't do business with each other. Uh, normally, when a Jew had to travel from one part of Israel to the other, instead of going through the Samaritan region, they would take a day or a two-day journey around so they wouldn't even have to go around them, be around them. I mean, there was just this extreme prejudice. And Jesus said, but a Samaritan comes and sees him and has compassion on him. And he gets down from his animal and he goes and he tends to his wounds and puts in oil and wine and then picks him up and puts him on his own donkey and takes him into the city and brings him into a hotel and takes care of him. And the next morning when he gets up to leave, he goes and sees the, the innkeeper and he gives him two denarius. Whatever you make in two days, that was a denarius' way. Twelve hours of labor, one denarius. And he gave him two denariuses and said, take care of them. And when I come back, if you spend anything more, I'll pay you. And Jesus said to the lawyer, which of these was a neighbor to the one who fell among thieves? And it's interesting, the lawyer wouldn't even say the Samaritan. He wouldn't even say that. He just said, well, the one who had compassion. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Now, what Jesus is saying here is that the way, listen, and we're going to talk about this more, but the way that we love God is by loving people. The way we love God is by loving people. But now, in this little story, we see three attitudes, right? The first attitude is the attitude that the thieves had. And their attitude was this. What's yours is mine if I can get it. It may be I got to cheat, I got to steal, I've got to lie, I got to do a crooked business something, but whatever is yours, it's mine if I can get it. And then there's the attitude of the Levite and the priest. And their attitude was simply this. What's mine is mine, and you cannot have any of it. And then there's the attitude of the Samaritan. What's mine is mine, but it's yours if you need it. What's mine is mine, but it's yours if you need it. And Jesus said to, that, to, to the lawyer, he said, you go and do likewise. Go and do like the one who had compassion, like the Samaritan did. In 1 John, Jesus' disciple, who's actually known as the disciple of love, said, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. He's showing what God did because of love. He gave his best to redeem us. When the, uh, the apostle Paul is talking about love, he actually tells us to pray. In fact, he says, this is what I pray for you. Now, it's very interesting when most of us pray for each other, we say something like, Lord, help them, Lord, bless them, Lord, deliver them, Lord, prosper them, Lord, heal them. You know, that's our type of prayer. But listen to this prayer, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. His prayer for us is that we would know God's love. See, once you really under, in fact, I'll say this, to the degree that we understand God's love and what God's love has done for us, we love other people. To the degree that we understand that love. Jesus one time made this statement. Uh, he said, the one who's forgiven little loves little. And the one who's forgiven much loves much. Now, you may think that means that the big sinner is going to love more. No, it's a matter of our understanding how much God has forgiven us of. We're to love people. And, and by the way, the, the, the greatest way that we can love people is introduce them to the one that loved them, died for them, and rose again. That's the greatest way that we can love people. Uh, you, you, you and I, you have one lifetime only to win people to Jesus. And then you're going to be in heaven. And listen, you can't win anybody to Jesus in heaven. You're going to have all of eternity to look back and celebrate all that you did for the kingdom of God on earth. But you've only got one lifetime to win people. Right? Now, again, the greatest thing that we can do is introduce them to the one that died for them and rose again. That's the greatest thing. But it's in Acts 10, 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And for years, and, and, and I'm almost ashamed to say this, for four decades, I would read that and I would think doing good was healing. But a, a few years ago, I read a book by a Greek scholar, Rick Renner, uh, who's going to be here, I think, in the next four or five months. And, and he made mention, when it says doing good, the Greek word there would be that we would probably translate philanthropy. It was helping people that were oppressed, helping people that were in need. Right? Uh, Matthew chapter 25. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. Now, what, what Jesus constantly is teaching that we seem to miss in the New Testament is the way that we love God is by loving people. In Proverbs chapter 19, it, it says, If you help the poor, you lend to the Lord and he will repay. If you help the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he will repay. Anybody here ever lent to somebody and didn't get it back? But, but, but the Bible says when you help somebody who's poor, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about helping the poor. And he said that your charitable deeds may be in secret, 
that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, in the, in the Bible, there's three kinds of giving. And, and some of us don't even recognize this, but the first type of giving, well, two of them are mentioned in Malachi chapter 3 in verse 9. God says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. You have robbed me, God says, in tithes and offerings. Now, a tithe is simply the first 10% of your profit or your increase. The first 10%, we honor God with that. But an offering is something that you want to do over and above that. In fact, you can't really give an offering until after you tithe because offerings are always over and above the 10%. And then there's a third type of giving that's mentioned in the Bible, and Jesus talks about it right here. It's called charitable deeds. And that's something you do to help someone who's in need, someone who's poor, a single mother, and you do something to help them. That's called a charitable deed or giving to the poor, Old Testament terminology. And the Bible says when you do that, you lend to the Lord and he will repay. So there's really three different types of giving. In fact, it talks about charitable deeds, and it says, Jesus, in fact, right here in the Sermon on the Mount, says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right? But when you tithe, you're supposed to figure it out, right? It's 10%. You've got to figure it out. But when it's a charitable deed, you don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, I don't go and say, hey, L, you know what Jeannie and I did? Man, we, we, we bought a new refrigerator for this single mother. All right? First of all, we're bragging. Secondly, it takes away her dignity. So Jesus said, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, but that's only when it comes to charitable deeds. So Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So th th to such a degree, that this is, this is again in the Sermon on the Mount. I, I don't like this particular verse. Is there any part of the Bible, by the way, that you don't particularly like? Or are you so spiritual? All right. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 23. Therefore... If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Let me give you this in New Testament. You're in church. You're worshiping God. You're lifting your hands. You're about to hear a good sermon. You're about to give an offering. And you remember that somebody has something against you. Jesus said, leave church. And go, and as much as depends on you, and get right with that person. And then come back and give your gift. Now, here's what we think. We think that Christianity is just vertical. It's just about my relationship with God. That's what it is. It's about my relationship with God. But what Jesus tells us is this. You never have a right vertical relationship when your horizontal relationships are not right. He says, and if you're there 
to work on your vertical relationship and you remember that your horizontal relationship, there's problems, go take care of the horizontal relationship and then come back and work on your vertical relationship because you love God by loving people. I don't like that either. But that's in the book. And we can think we're right with God because we're just seeking God, but we're a mess with people. And if that's what we think, we're just wrong. This is what Jesus' disciple said. This is John, who was called the, the, the disciple of love. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he say he loves God whom he has not seen? Wow. See, again, we just think it's all vertical. But the Bible is telling us just as important as the vertical is the horizontal and get the horizontal right because if you think the vertical's right and the horizontal's not right, you're wrong. You're wrong. Jesus just reached out to people, hurting people, disenfranchised people. And as his disciples, we're supposed to do the exact same thing. Jesus reached out to people of other cultures and ethnicity, the marginalized, the hopeless. Jesus reached out to them. When I was thinking about this message, I could not help but think about Jonah. Now, it, this is a, an actually a, a little book in the, in the Bible. It's four chapters, and you can read it in 10 minutes. Right? But God comes to this man named Jonah, who's a prophet, and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach and say, unless you repent, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. Now, the Ninevites were the enemies of the Israelites. And they were an extremely cruel, cruel people. The things that they did when they came and conquered a land, I don't even want to mention. Right? But Jonah, when God told him that, he's like, no way. I ain't going to that bunch of people. I, 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 they're our enemies. And God, I love my nation. And I love my culture. And that bunch of heathens, those bunch of retrobates, there is no way I'm going to go and preach to them because you are such a good and merciful and forgiving God. If I go, they'll probably repent and you won't kill them. And I want you to kill them. <laughs> literally, literally, that is exactly what he's thinking. All right. Now, listen. We can do the same thing, right? I remember asking a guy, are, are, are you a believer? And he says, I'm American, aren't I? <laughs> and we can think that God is American. You might think he's a Republican. You might think he's a Democrat or a libertarian, or, or, or wherever you're at, and that God loves the bunch that we're a part of more than any other bunch, all right? But he doesn't. It is, it is literally, it, it is the, the, the sin of empires. Okay? Uh, several years ago, I was preaching in, in Russia. Okay? And when I, I finished, someone gave me what would be like a silver dollar, about that size, a silver coin, Russian coin, I think the date on it is 1801, but this is what it says in Russian. 
Not to us, not to us, but to you, God, be the glory. And and when the Byzantine Empire fell, the Russians really believed that the, 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 the burden of taking the gospel to the world fell on Russia. And even in the early parts of the 20th century, before 1917, if you were to talk to a Russian, this is what they say. They say, the world needs the Russian Christ. And they're talking about Jesus. They thought Jesus was Russian. Like you think he's American and voice Republican or Democrat. <laughs> That's what they thought. That's what they thought. And they thought, well, he, so, so Jonah thinks, well, God loves us more than he loves anybody else. But God doesn't love you and your bunch any more than he loves the Japanese or the Chinese or the Africans or anybody else. And and we need to understand that. So so he goes and he preaches. (laughs) You remember he tried to run away first. He literally, he ran away. God gets a hold of him, tells him go. He goes, he preaches. And he goes outside the city on a hill and he sits down and waits for God to kill him. Literally, he's waiting for God to kill him. And uh, he gets mad because God does not kill them. And he says, God, this is what I told you in the beginning. I told you if I go and they repent, you are so good and so merciful that you will forgive them. So God, just kill me. Who does he say? He's mad. He's so mad at God. He says, kill me because you're being merciful to people. For God so loved the world, right? Not Americans, not Canadians, not Republicans, not Democrats, not black people, not white people or red people. He loves all people. And he loves all people equally. Listen, Jesus, Jesus reached out to unlovely. He, he reached out to the lepers. He treated the prostitutes with respect. He welcomed the despised tax collectors and even went to their house to have a party. He befriended foreigners. He exalted women who in in that culture were considered second class. He reached out and laid his hands on children and blessed them. He reached out to the outcast and and, and what we would consider even the misfits. what was interesting is Jesus just, rebu- the only people he rebuked were the religious people who were self-righteous and used their religion to oppress others. Amen. Listen, if Jesus were here, he would love every L-G-B-T person. He would love every one of them. Listen, he would not validate their lifestyle. But he would love them. Right? He wouldn't be mad at them. He'd love them. Okay? And how many of you know we're supposed to imitate Jesus? You know? uh, uh, the church should never be known for what we're against. We should be known for our love. We should be known for what we're for. And listen. The ground is level at the cross. The ground is level at the cross. You're not better than anybody else. See, when you look at somebody else and think, yeah, but I'm not like them, then you're like a Pharisee who Jesus said, they don't go to their house justified. 
You might be justified in your own mind. Right? We are all hopeless without the blood of Jesus. Amen. Every one of us. Right? Jesus reached out even to the self-righteous, the adulterers, the robbers, the drunkards, the homosexuals. Right? Every one of them. He loved them, and this was his message. Time's up. God's kingdom here. Rethink your life. Rethink your life. But we love you. We love you. That was Jesus' message. Right? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation what heaven's going to look like. It says that there will be people from every nation, every tribe, and every language. How many think the church ought to look like heaven? You know? Martin Luther King Jr. said this almost 50 years ago. He said, 11 a.m. Sunday is the most segregated hour in America. May that not be true. May that not be true. May every church look like heaven. That's what we should look like. All right? Jesus taught his disciples to love their enemies, to pray for those who persecute them. And, and I understand that revenge, payback, is deeply rooted in sinful human nature. But Jesus said, that's not, for, that's not the way that you're to go. In 2004, the Dutch filmmaker Theo DeVoe was murdered by a Muslim radical. In the aftermath of his death, both churches and mosques in the Netherlands experienced retaliatory attacks, including the bombing of an Islamic school. In the outpour of violence that shook through the nation, it, it really shook them. They considered themselves to be a peaceful, open society, but the time was incendiary. There was a pastor, a Protestant Dutch pastor, Reverend Keys Sobrandi, and he went over to the mosque nearest his home and knocked on the door. And inside, literally, the, the, the Muslims were, were cowering and afraid because of what had been happening. And when they answered the door, this is what he said. He said, I am going to personally station myself outside of this mosque every night at sunset, and I will be here until the sun rises. And I will make sure nothing happens. And then he recruited others to do the same thing. And they did it for three months. At the end, <laughs> the news media wanted an interview, and they asked him what had made him do it. Was it that, that he had some friends in the Muslim community or that he had had a dialogue with them? And, and he said, no, that's not it. And, and they said, well, is it the multiculturalism culturalism that's going around? And he said, no, that's not it. And they said, why? And his simple reply was, Jesus commanded me to love my neighbor and even my enemies too. You know what? That's a picture. How I many of you know that's not what your flesh wants to do? All right. But you know what? We're part of a new kingdom. We've been given a new heart. The Bible says this. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful, but you do what is right in the sight of everyone. And if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Anytime that we try to get revenge, we are overcome by evil. And we just perpetuate a cycle of violence, a cycle of repaying. When Jesus is betrayed with a kiss, he simply says to Judas, friend. He took no offense. When he's on the cross, he prays and says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. In May of 1981, Ali Aja leaves Turkey and makes his way to Italy. And then ultimately, in just a few days, he gets down to Rome. He's made his way there to assassinate John Paul II. On May the 13th, as John Paul went through the streets in St. Peter's Square, Ali Aja elbows his way up as close as he could possibly get within just a few feet of the Pope, pulls out a pistol and shoots him at point-blank range four times. He's immediately arrested, but the Pope is in critical condition. He's in surgery for six hours. Ultimately, he's in the hospital for 22 days. Ali Haja was tried and convicted in an Italian court and sentenced to life in prison. But Pope John Paul went and visited an Italian prison. And he went specifically so he could see his would-be assassin, Ali Aja. And he went in and he sat down with him. He took his hands in his hands. He forgave him. He talked to him about Jesus. He prayed with him. And uh, the result was that uh, they began corresponding. And the Pope was writing letters to Ali Aja, and Ali Aja was writing letters to the Pope. And the Pope uh, actually asked the Italian government to give him a full pardon, which they did, and they released him. Um, the Turkish government immediately took him into custody because he was wanted for terrorist acts in Turkey as well. But when the Pope was asked why, how many know why? Because Jesus told us to love our enemies and to do them good and not harm. Disciples of Jesus love extraordinarily. They do it because they know that God, in his great love for us, gave us the best and forgave us of so much. And when you know how much you've been forgiven, you forgive and you love just the same way that Jesus forgave and Jesus loved. Now, if this message has touched your heart and you've realized, you know, I'm not where I should be with God or I don't know where I stand with God, I'm not right with God, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you bow your head? Make these words your own. Pray this from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again 
and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. In fact, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have just called on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And if you prayed that from your heart, you are saved, forgiven, and right with God. Now, I want you to keep growing spiritually. And for that to happen, you need to receive good spiritual food. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send to you absolutely free of charge. Right? You can download this book. And it is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. Uh, if you can't download it, you need a hard copy. If you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy absolutely free of charge. Right? It is our way to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. I want you to know we love you, we pray for you, and have a blessed day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. You can find today's message available for free on our app, where you can watch it right there or download it and save it for later. You can also follow along with Pastor's scriptures and share images on your social media. Or you can find today's program and others at walkingbyfaith.tv. Just click on Watch Latest Program. And as always, you can purchase a copy in the WBF store. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to help change the lives of others through Walking by Faith, please visit walkingbyfaith.tv give for more information on becoming a partner with us. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing amazing things in your life, we want to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, through our app, or on Facebook or Instagram. Next week, we'll learn how to become a selfless servant. Until then, be blessed.